If you've been listening to the Black Dollar Playlist that is updated every Friday, you know that the first song on this week's version of the Black Dollar Playlist on Spotify, you can find the link in our Instagram bio. You know that the first song is by Neek Love Rhodes, and it's a song called No Worries. A lot of people have been asking me about this song. They're wanting to know, well, who is this person? Who is this artist? I want to know more about her. Well, I guess you'll get your wish today here on Black Equity. Welcome to Black Equity. And today we have a special guest. Please introduce yourself. Neek Love Rose. How are you doing today? What's up? What's up? I am amazing. How about yourself? I'm doing awesome. Thank you for asking. Right now, everybody's listening to the playlist. They're hearing your song. They're asking me, well, who is this person? Who is this person? For the people who are just now being introduced to you, who are you? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So again, my name is Neek Love Rhodes. I am a uh, proud Detroiter, um, hip-hop artist, lyricist songwriter, social entrepreneur, uh, a person of many hats, awesome. <laughs> a, a, a wife, a friend. They, I wear multiple hats. Awesome, awesome. But that's who I am. How long have you been in the music industry? Oh, my gosh. So I've been doing music for a little about 13 years now. Um, and it's been an ongoing journey, you know, just being an independent artist. It's a lot of uh, peaks and pitfalls and learn as you go and build the plane while you fly it and figure things out um, on the go. But it, yeah, it's been an incredible journey. though. Okay. So 13 years, that puts us what the beginning of the two thousands. Is that correct? Okay. Yes. So what were, what yes. were some of the, your major influences that brought you in and made you want to be a part of this world? Oh my gosh, I have so many. Uh, so I, I always I grew up in a musical family. So you know my early music memories, and this is late eighties, was of course you know everyone says it and it's cliche, but Michael Jackson. You know mm-hmm. I, I I grew up in the era where you know it was an event when a music video right. dropped. Um, and so uh, I grew up in you know in that era. So of course you know Michael being and and even Prince and Janet and a lot of those. Um, icons were some of my first musical memories, but uh, I gravitated towards hip-hop just coming up with my cousins, and um, I don't know if listeners will remember this show called The Box, right? And they had uh, all of these, like, different music videos, um, and I would, you know, hang out with my cousins and listen to what they were listening to, and that was Pac, that was early Jay-Z, that was uh tribe that was TLC, you know, all of the heavy hitters of the nineties and just was really fascinated by music and um always uh had a way with words. My mom early on gave me a notebook because um, I'm the only child and she was like, you know, whatever you're thinking, write it down. And so that was my introductory introduction into poetry. Mm. And um around I'll say about fifteen, fifteen, sixteen, um I just really, you know, uh, got really heavy into poetry doing open mics and uh, was inspired by artists like Lauren Hill and, uh, you know, again, Jay Common, 
um, Lupe Fiasco and uh, really loved their music. And a friend of mine was like, yo, you should try to rap because your poems sound like you're rapping. And so uh, he gave me a beat, (laughs) a beat CD that he downloaded from Napster. Good old Napster. (laughs) At the time. Uh, Yes. And uh, I just took my poems and, you know, turned them uh, into hip hop format to fit, you know, verse hook, verse hook kind of format. And the rest has been history. That's man. dope. That's dope. And you're you're based out of Detroit, is that correct? Yes, born and raised. Okay. Oh, great. So how? So what has been the the transition of your city? What hmm. do you currently see going on? How, what was going on ten years ago? Tell, what's the current climate of Detroit? Yeah, Detroit is in an interesting place uh, because you have all of the renaissance and regeneration and revitalization that's happening um Mm -hmm. which is great i remember 10 years ago you will come downtown and there was absolutely nothing to do um Mm. downtown it was it was the wackest downtown (laughs) (laughs) out of of all the major cities and Mm -hmm. now you know you, you come downtown and you can't even find a parking spot um, mm. So it's just, it's completely changed. But on the flip side of that, you also have um, a lot of displacement, a lot of gentrification that's happening that's causing people to dis- uh, be displaced. Um, a lot of spaces now um, are not being inclusive of the people who have been here, um, you know, for years and years and years, um, primarily black and brown people. Um, yeah. So it's it's a really interesting kind of this, tightrope that people are trying to navigate where yes we want nice things but you also have to be ethical about it and include the people um who make up the city detroit is a predominantly black city um be interesting for sure um and myself and you know a lot of other artists were just you know figuring it out as as we go and making sure that we insert ourselves into the narrative and create seats at tables for ourselves and create our own tables <laughs> as well. That's uh, dope. Yeah. So how, how are you doing? I know you, you work with different organizations that you started. What sure. are some of those organizations that you're uh, involved in? Sure. Uh, so one of my organizations is called Decipher um, and it's co-founded by uh, myself and two good friends of mine, uh, Wayne Ramick position and inside the riot who's also a, a fellow hip-hop artist and it's all about uh really musicians banding together to advocate for a more sustainable music economy in the city so there's um a lot of issues just as far as like the lack of infrastructure for musicians and artists um whether it's a lot of venues you know may not support original live music anymore so there's limited paid performance opportunities in the city um there's you know uh, a lack of unity really within the detroit music community everybody kind of stays in their own pockets um and you don't see that a lot in other cities so um what we've been doing is just really um connecting uh with investors and different things like that to really leverage money to provide uh for paid performance opportunities for artists. Um, Also, we've been hosting a lot of professional development um, workshops. We actually have one coming up uh, because it's Detroit Startup Week now. So we're hosting 
a day-long series of workshops where artists can get information on like music business law and you know how to market yourself as an artist and um, information about branding and how to monetize your music Um, and then we just do really dope events where we just uh, gather musicians from all genres all skill levels and we do uh, monthly ciphers um so yeah so it's been really a really uh great run so we're uh, really um just really getting started we've been going for four years but this past year has really been a big year for us where we've been able to ramp up our programming so uh that's the primary venture but um i'm also you know um outside of my own music i'm involved in um an organization called citizen detroit and so i do consulting with them um to get detroiters more civically engaged um so i kind of spearhead a lot of their initiatives especially for like young adults and and youth um so i kind of have uh you know some my my hat on as far as advocacy and activism in that lane um and then me and my band we just launched an initiative called rise up higher um, where it's using our music and kind of taking a step beyond the music to uh, leverage our music as a tool for social good. So um, very soon this fall, we're going to be going into a lot of juvenile detention facilities and doing workshops and kind of motivational uh, speaking and concerts uh, for the kids who are currently incarcerated and hopefully, you know, inspire them to, you know, be the change that they want when they, you know, not only while they're there but you know once they do get released you know yeah that's dope i think i think a lot lot of our listeners would love to either uh put some money behind that or be involved in that so definitely uh we want to have that information if you can send that over uh, absolutely put that on our instagram so people can uh, have access to it absolutely awesome absolutely awesome i want to play a game with you for sure is that okay I'm with it. All right. Let's do it. I'm a new independent artist. Mm-hmm. And I'm bumping into you. I don't know. Let's say we're at the MTV Awards. And okay. I bump into you. I hear, I heard about you on Black Equity Podcast. And I want to know, okay, what do I do? Like, I, you know, I, I kind of record a little bit, but I've never really released anything to the public. Mm-hmm. What advice, what what uh, jewels of wisdom do you give to me uh, when we're sitting there talking? Mm. First of all, I would uh, ask you or tell you to think about why do you want to do music mm. in the first place? Like, right. what's what's your what's your moral compass? You know what I'm saying? Because right. especially as an independent artist, it's uh, you know it's a daily grind. And you have to really be about putting in the work as far as booking your own shows, hunting down venues, following up with venues, following up with media, just performing anywhere and everywhere you can and um, being a student of your craft, like, you know, putting in those 10,000 hours. And sometimes you don't feel like doing that, you know, but it's what drew you to music in the first place. And, you know, what what do you want to do? What's your kind of your end game or how do you visualize success that Mm. that's what's gonna keep you consistent and keep you um just focused even when you don't feel like it or when you get discouraged if you know things aren't moving as fast as you want so that's my first uh piece of advice the second would be to really just perform and 
uh, perfect your craft as much as possible. Um, perform for free <laughs> if you can, because that gets mm-hmm. your chops up. And the more you do that, the people will will uh, find out about you. And then eventually people will be calling you and asking you how much do you charge for your shows. And um, so you just, you got to really just start from ground zero and work your way up. Um, and then also learn the craft of recording. You know, a lot of people feel like, hey, I just got, you know, uh, my voice note and a beat on my phone and I can make a song like that. And some people do make songs like that, but really um, invest in your craft, you know, get some uh good recording equipment practicing you know in your room as far as like how to record and um and then eventually when you get comfortable doing that then invest in a actual bigger studio with a professional engineer who can you know um help you level up even more you know I learned so much when I was recording my first album um in a a, a legit studio um with a really great you know professional engineer and that just opened my world as far as like different effects and stand, how far do you stand away from the mic when you're recording your vocals and different mics give you different results for your vocals and just all kind of things that, um, you know, when we hear classic albums like, you know, like a blueprint or something like that, or, you know, when we listen to like Jay-Z or Kendrick or whoever, it's a science behind why their record why their records sound as great as they do, you know. Um, and that takes a really good engineer. So those would be my quick tips. Okay. So you said you completed your first album, right? Yeah. And it's available now, right? Yes. So yes. what is the name of the album? It's called Against All Odds. Um and it's on all streaming platforms, title, Apple Music, Spotify. Um, and I actually, initially I released it back in 2012. A lot of people don't know that. So I first put it out in 2012, didn't know what I was doing as far as the business. And I just knew I had this great body of work that I spent all this time in the studio making. Mm -hmm. And, um, I just put it out, you know, and as years went by, I was like, man, like I need to really give this body of work of a really fair shot. So I, um, uh, remastered, remixed, and I put it out again, and I put it out um, with the support of a live album featuring my band doing live arrangements um, of the songs from my studio record, Against All Lives. So actually, there's a um, the studio record, Against All Lives, and then there's the band album that's just called the NLR Experience. Um, and so both of those um, I dropped back to back at the top of last year. Um, and since then, I'm actually getting ready uh, to release a few EPs um, before the year's up. Awesome. So, yeah. So when you're recording that album, let's, let's mm-hmm. go the first the first uh, time around 2012. Yeah. What what was the biggest learning curve for you from? Um, you know, not never having an album to going through that process of going through this entire body of work? Uh, hmm. The biggest lesson I learned was time is money. Right. Like, people, you know, you see videos, right, of, like, artists, especially rappers, in the studio writing their raps right there in the studio, right, and then recording it. 
And it's like, you can't do that, you know, especially when you're paying for it out of pocket because every minute that you spend wasting time, whether it's you kicking it with your friend and y'all just lollygagging in the studio, that's money that you're blowing through. Mm. Um, So I, you know, learned very quickly, like, no, when I get to the studio, I better know you know, know my verse, know my hooks, kind of have a concept of what I want the engineer to do as far as how I want the end result of the song to sound um, and just really be prepared to work. I think um, early on, you're just so excited that you're in the studio, especially when you're new to it. Mm-hmm. Um, you just get so excited, but it's like, nah, you're here to work. Um, right. And so that was the biggest lesson for me. Um and then after that, it was really just learning different um, tricks of the trade, you know, like how standing different distances behind the mic can give you different um, effects on your vocals and how to stack vocals and all the kind of all of the nerd music <laughs> science stuff behind. All the nerd behind stuff it. that matters. That matters, right. though, for sure. Right. For sure. So... When you when you finish the album, let's say after the remastering, mm-hmm. and are you, do you have that kind of personality? It was like, oh, I got to go listen to this in the car. Or when is the first time you sat down and actually listened to the first uh, the first listen of your full project? So I listened to the first full uh, album right after I'm done recording everything, okay. and I will get like a rough mix. Um, and so that's kind of like your last chance of like, do you want to change any lyrics Did you know, everything sound how you envision it. Um, and so that's kind of like reading your rough draft. Right. Um, and then after that, the engineer will go and master the album and mastering is kind of the, if you think of it in terms of school mastering is like when you have finished and you've printed up your final report and you turn it, (laughs) you're turning it in to the teacher. That's like for your grade, that's mastering. And so after mastering, um, you know, it's a lot of tape if you need to go back and change everything, but the mastering is key because that's what makes your song sound um, good in the car or on some headphones that you got from the dollar store or on your laptop or if you're playing it through your TV. Um, The mastering kind of equalizes all of the vocals, every single instrument, every single um, sonic component of the music. The mastering kind of locks that in and equalizes everything. So it sounds, you know, fairly similar no matter what device you're listening it to um and so I definitely listened to that quite a few times in the car because I was just blown away right right (laughs) for sure what was that experience what were you thinking when you were listening to that in the car man it was surreal it's I can't uh really describe just for me it wasn't even the sound of my voice um Mm -hmm. and I would say early on I didn't really like my rap voice because uh, I feel like rappers, when you hear a rapper, you think of like a super like deep, aggressive <laughs> voice. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, you know, I'm not like that. I don't sound like that. So I really had to like embrace how my voice sounds and, um, you know, the things that I can do with it. But just the fact of hearing something that started in your head and like your heart or something that just you got inspired to write 
and having a rough concept of how you want it to sound and then seeing that come to fruition is the coolest thing um, about the recording experience. Dope, dope. So you you mentioned earlier about one of the toughest things about being independent is Mm -hmm. the the bookings and uh, venues. So what was your first paid venue like? Oh, my first paid venue was an open mic and I probably got a hundred bucks for it. Right. And I was like, man, this is dope. Somebody just paid me a hundred bucks to rap some songs that I wrote. I think I performed like two or three songs. Right. Um, and so that was uh, like just really, that was cool just to the the validation that somebody's willing to pay me <laughs> right. to do something that I love um and then from there you know I just wanted to perform more and more and more and you know um even with that you know some shows weren't paid but I took them because it may be somebody in the audience who would want to pay me for a show um gotcha. and so just to get that credibility up but um that was yeah that was my my first experience for sure So what are some of the, I guess they call them pitfalls when you're dealing with certain venues? Is there something, uh, if I'm still that independent artist talking to you at the MTV uh, Movie Awards, uh, what what advice do you give me on venues and what to look out for? Definitely uh, look out when venues want you to pay to play there. Mm. Uh, Don't do that. Like You should not be paying to uh play anywhere you're doing the venue a service by bringing your art to them um so i would say you know definitely stay clear of that um always at least negotiate you know if a venue can't pay you up front for your artist um for your artistry definitely uh aim for at least getting the money from the door because the venue nine times out of ten they're going to be making money at the bar right and when people come in and buy food um so at least you know get you something from the door so you know if that's you know people are charging ten dollars cover uh for the venue make sure you at least get 50 to 60 percent of that you know um and that's at least um and so i would say you know start off that way um especially if you don't necessarily have a following or a track record of performing um always at least go for 50 to 60 percent of the door um and then work your way up um and then you know part of it is eventually you just have to as you make a name for yourself and once you have that track record and if people don't want to pay you you know kind of what your baseline is sometimes you just got to say no and that's okay too um but i would say that comes later after you kind of put in those hours you know Gotcha. Yeah. So that's one end, end of the spectrum where we're looking at maybe your first venue. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's look at the other side. A couple of weeks ago, maybe a week ago, mm-hmm. Jay-Z is announced as a billionaire, right? Yeah. Did, you saw that come through? Oh, yeah. Okay. What were your thoughts when you when you saw that uh, being official? Uh, some people mm-hmm. said it was reported by Forbes. I prefer to say Black Enterprise, but hey, it's, it's whatever <laughs> you want to go with. Absolutely. Um, but what did, what were your thoughts when you saw that? Oh my gosh, I was super proud, um, inspired, just happy. You know, Jay Z is one of my favorite artists ever, um, and just to see him 
step outside of just oh I'm just a hip-hop artist but really you know um embody you know I'm not a businessman I'm a businessman like that's that's real and I think that's uh, um you know no pun intended but that's the blueprint for artists you know we should be using our art to expand into other areas um you know and leverage you know uh, that platform and that's something that I've seen just you know my humble independent grind I've been able to see the power of organizations tapping me saying hey we saw you perform here we like your music we like what you stand for can you come consult with us on how we can get some of that vibe in our organization at our event you know um, right. And so it's really um, what he showed us is, you know, the power of leveraging your brand and le- leveraging your cultural capital by, you know, being who you are. And, you know, if you stay true to who you are and just continue to grind and, you know, have that sense of value and worth that, you know, I'm bringing something of value to the table to you, people, you know, they catch on and you can leverage that and that opens so many doors and you know I think he's the embodiment of it for sure well when I look at the numbers I'm looking at it says here title is reportedly worth 100 million mm-hmm. is rock nation uh and extensive music catalog are worth value that 75 million mm-hmm. uh I'm not trying to count the man's pockets but I do <laughs> want to talk about the black equity absolutely uh, the magazine also reveals that the Brooklyn bread rapper currently owns 70 million in art mm-hmm. and 50 million in real estate. Yes. So when you hear that, and as you're building your career, are you going to look at uh, investing in other areas outside of music? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I would be doing that even if I wasn't in music, you know, that's gotcha. something uh, me and my husband are big on is like, you know, owning your own stuff, getting into real estate, um investing you know even like if you look at things like cryptocurrency or um art you know that's all of those things you know investing in assets um I even joke with you know my band like you know your instruments our equipment those are assets you know I have a sound system that I paid a grip for and countless of people have rented that sound system for me from me you know what i'm right, saying right right um and so yeah i definitely believe in you know you have to have assets you have to invest in things outside um of music you have to have a diverse portfolio you know and i think not only him but if you look at multiple other artists look at you know puff look at dre look at beyonce look at rihanna like all of these other artists they're showing us constantly that, yeah, music is dope, but they make the bulk of their money from investments and assets and other companies outside of music. Um, and I think, you know, that that speaks volumes. There's not, um, if you even look at streaming, right? Like, mm-hmm. artists don't make that much money from streaming. Right. Um, you make your money from shows and merch. And that's if you're not in the 360 deal with a major label your your bread and butter is coming from tours merch from licensing your music um so you know music is just it's a it's a a limited world as far as monetization um so i think yeah it's critical that as you 
get money through music, you have to like have those other outlets. And, you know, I, I do that now outside of music, you know, I'm consulting with other organizations and I take that money and invest it back into, you know, my companies and then, you know, leverage that from what I get back in from my companies back into something else. You have to keep, you know, investing for sure. Now you mentioned it. I, I wasn't going to bring it up, but I know the whole audience was waiting Uh-oh. to hear it. The 360 deal, Uh-oh. the infamous 360 deal. What, if if at all, if you can talk about it, did you stay away from any of that by being independent? Absolutely. And what was it that you're staying away from for people who don't know what a 360 deal is? Yeah, so 360 deal, um, in essence, is where a, a label, and I wouldn't even say a label now, because you have people now that are attaching themselves to, like, companies and mm-hmm. calling it a partnership, but... A 360 deal is anytime when a company who's investing in you, because of their investment in you, they are now getting profit from not only your music, but if you uh, get an acting role in the film, they get a cut out of that. If you're on tour, they are getting a cut out of that. If you um, decide to, uh, you know, build another company based off of your brand they get a cut off of that mm-hmm. <laughs> they and literally everything that you do as long as you are artist x signed to that label anything that artist x does because he or she is artist x that label is going to get a cut out of that um and you know a lot of artists do it you know it's easy especially if you don't have a lot of money to begin with and you get this awesome multi-million dollar contract to do something that you've been wanting to do for years is very tempting to sign that but you know it's all about like you know what Jay-Z talks about you know like that long run game like you want to own your own masters you want to own your own brand um and when you're with the label oftentimes you don't most artists don't even own the trademark to their own name you know Um, so yeah, that is, is to me, independence was always, um, important, especially just being a woman in hip hop because image is so key, uh, with women in music. And, um, I didn't want to have to fall victim to, or be in a label battle because they want me to be, uh, another little Kim or another Nicki Minaj or like this hypersexualized female rapper. Um, you know, I didn't want to have to play that game or even mm-hmm. fight that battle um right. so i definitely chose to um stay independent and it's a longer road but i think it's it's worth it in the long run i i personally i know no one really wants to hear from me today they want to hear from you but me personally unless you like this is just me i <laughs> think i think cardi b is in the 360 deal i don't mm. know it I don't know it. I don't know it. <laughs> but here's why I think it. Because uh-huh. they, they, they Atlantic Records is pushing her so hard. Yeah. It, it just makes so much sense. Then she has a movie coming out. She got this coming out. It's like everybody's going to be eating off of her. Yeah. Which is why she gets propped up and stuff gets ignored because there's just too much money involved. Yeah. So, but, but besides certain people, it just doesn't make sense to to give away your entire rights because you don't even know. Here's something I learned. Master P, when he was trying to go around and shop his deal, they were trying to give him, I forget what the amount was, Uh it was somewhere in the millions. 
And he said, oh, no, if you give it, if you willing to pay me a million, that means I must be worth 10 times that much. Yep. Yep. And ever since he said that, it changed my perspective. Not, I, I'm not a, you know, I'm not in the music business, but it changed my perspective on business in general. If somebody's willing to give you something, they know they can make money off of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, that's key. I'm not going to gonna speculate um that's my job but you know um i definitely think there's a lot more artists that are in those deals than we would like to think or imagine um but you know masterpiece philosophy is so spot on and it's even even if you aren't in music you know um one of my mentors um told me one time uh when i was working full-time at a company and they offered me one thing and she was like, ask for more. Um, because it's so right. If they're offering you that, they your your value is is, is more than that. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. um, yeah, that's that philosophy is spot on. Absolutely. Absolutely. Dope. Dope. I love Master P. For me, if I had to sit down with anyone, I know everybody's going to pick Jay and everybody's <laughs> going to pick Puffy. If I had to sit down with, with one person from hip hop, uh-huh. just, just me, I would sit down with Master P. And here's why yeah. I would sit down with him. I know you don't want to speculate on stuff, but here's what I would, this is the thing that, that helped me understand it. When Snoop Dogg was going through the death row situation mm-hmm. and he needed to find a home, Master P sat down with him took care of him, didn't necessarily take advantage of him. He was in a very vulnerable spot. Snoop said he took care of him. He put, he made sure that he was propped up. He never asked for really anything from him. All he did was give him uh, the platform. Yeah. And for me, during those times, when everybody was doing something a little, little weird <laughs> in, in music, Master P was the only dude that I've heard from all the stories that actually took care of his people, and so for me, yeah. if I had to sit down with anyone, it would be Master P. For sure, that's he's a good a good one. Like he, honestly, he's the originator out of like people that's the debatable, but I would argue that Master P is like the first successful independent artist who who really created that blueprint. Um, you know, I agree. I think by that time, he by that time he really. Uh, got more mainstream I think they were they were still fully independent I think Rockefeller had already did a partnership with Def Jam so I know they were getting some money with Def Jam but yeah man like Master P is people sleep on him but I mean even now you know you hear talks about how he influenced what Nipsey Hussle was doing exactly Um, yeah so he's a powerful dude for sure rest in peace to Nipsey rest in peace absolutely so you're in this music industry. I can't let you just show up on Black Equity without asking the most pivotal pivotal question in, in hip hop history. Mm. Uh, who are who is your top five? Oh my gosh! Uh, I gotta know. Uh, I was actually thinking about this this morning. <laughs> um, you knew it was coming. I knew it was coming. All right, so I have to ask you a question back. Top five? Like, are we talking as far as like? technical lyricism rapping or just overall hip-hop artist period now here's what i'll say Mm -hmm. i'll say overall no business included i don't care about business deals i care about overall 
artistry and your gotcha. impact on the culture. So that may be a mixture of lyricists and maybe a mixture of uh, everything else. But I don't care about business deals, only artists. Okay. All right. That makes it a lot easier. Okay. Uh, so I will say Jay. Okay. Um, I will put Andre 3000 in there. Okay. I'm going to put Lauren Hill in there. I'm going to okay. put Lupe Fiasco in there. Okay. Okay. Uh, and then I would say it's a toss up for me between Nas and people okay. are going to hate me for this but Kanye West and Kanye wow. West has a special place in my heart and that's why he's like he rounds off that top five okay okay that, Just, that's fair I'll, yeah. I'll let it go <laughs> do, do you care to talk about this special place in your heart or do you want to keep that to yourself no I'll talk I'll talk okay. about it okay go ahead uh, but yeah, so um, Kanye for me, like his first album, uh, College Dropout, was like right around the time where I really started to take music seriously. Um, and just to hear, like, just to see how that impact with it being very, like, socially conscious, very soulful from the Midwest and how it impacted culture at that time um, was just super dope to me um and that like really inspired me and then just like his to me his musical catalog is just dope even his later stuff that people hate i just think it's ahead of that it's ahead of its time as far as sonically right and musically um and the way he's impacted live performances i've uh, had a chance to see him him and jay and nas like all of those people i've named i've seen live Wow. And Kanye West is like his live shows are just on a whole nother level. Um yeah. to I've even seen him inspire how Jay Z does his show. So that's why I'll put him up there. Dope. I, I think uh what stood out to me about your list is, is actually a conversation I've been dying to have. Oh, okay. And so if you have a few minutes, I would love to, to talk about this. For sure. Did you get a chance to listen to Lupe Fiasco's Drogus Waves? Yes. What do you think about it? Yes, yes, yes. Uh, so, uh, Waves uh, was a dope, to me, a very dope conceptual album. Right. Um, to the point, I'm still unpacking it. Like It's uh, very deep. It's, it's very deep. very deep. And I think the concept of, like, the long chains and the, the, the story arc of it, um, kind of turning slavery on its head as far as like I don't want to give it away because I want people I, know, I want I people to listen to it but the concept I listened to it the first time and I was like man like I was listening to kind of like the the sonics of it and I was like man this sounds incredible um it was soulful but it had like different musical vibes on there it had some reggae vibes and things like that um but when I listened to it again I was like man this could easily be adapted into a movie or a book exactly. or a exactly. comic and i was like exactly. this all is dope yes here's what i said last year i know uh right now our hearts are heavy mm-hmm. uh and a lot of people feel like nipsey had the best album last year and that's fine you can mm-hmm. feel however you want to and mm-hmm. then some people feel you know you know cardi got the, the grammy and that everybody feels however they feel about that yeah. honestly i think it was a crime that Lupe Fiasco was not nominated for a Grammy. Facts. Um, because the album, to me, I, I, I don't, I didn't find one flaw. Because from beginning to end, it's telling me a full. I've never had it before. And my yeah. favorite, by the way, my my, my top five is Tupac, Rakim, 
Lauren Hill. Uh, oh boy, hold on. <laughs> I can't throw. I'll be honest with you. Jay's not in my top five. That's Jay, cool. Jay's in my top ten. He's not in my top five. I think he has a lot of filler albums. Mm-hmm. Andre three thousand can't make my top five because uh, where's the solo album? I don't, mm-hmm. you know. But hey, it is what it is. So Tupac, Rakim, Lauren Hill. I got Scarface in mm. uh, my top five, and yeah. woo, come Lupe, on, one more. Lupe, Lupe can't get in there. Sorry, it ain't, it ain't time yet. <laughs> um, you know, you know who I'm gonna put in there. It actually Ooh. goes against my rules. Uh oh. But I gotta, I gotta put Black Thought in there. Oh, that's a good one. Because really, all the Roots albums oh are God. Black Thought. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, I mean, he's the only one rapping. Yeah, for the most part. Oh my gosh, yeah. So, Black uh, thought, that, sure. that, but so I'm listening. He will be to, in my top ten. Absolutely. Oh, definitely, def- definitely. I'm listening to the Lupe Fiasco album, and I'm like, what is going on here? This is one of the best pieces of works I've ever seen. Not no one in hip hop media is talking about it. It goes quietly through the night, and I'm still I'm looking around at all the publications. No one speaks on it, mm-hmm. and that's before I even started this podcast. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know what? It's time to start Black Equity. Now, for the last six to eight months, I have not spoken about Lupe once. Mm. You were the first person to mention Lupe. So I felt like it was right (laughs) to come in here and say, look, the fact that nobody is even talking about this album is ridiculous. Man, that was, it was an incredible album. But Lupe, like, I feel like people, unless Lupe fan, I think people kind of like, cast him aside which I'm kind of mad at because like he's such an important artist to the culture like he he to me really is really about that equity social justice life but makes music that those concepts are palatable exactly and he's an incredible performer like I've seen him solo with just him and his DJ I've seen him with the band he kills every show and it's like he's his stamina on the stage like he sounds better than the record sometimes like he's just he's dope and his lyricism is top notch man awesome and and, you know and with Kanye West I know you you mentioned him Mm -hmm. uh did a uh, episode couple weeks ago on Kanye Mm -hmm. he sat down with uh what's the name David Letterman yeah um I like Kanye I like Kanye a lot, even with all the... I don't care about all that political stuff. Yeah. What what I care about is he always stays true to how he feels in the moment, mm-hmm. and he's not going to let anyone who you know try to brainwash him or try to stop him from thinking whatever he wants to think. I don't know how the whole whole entire culture decided to cancel the very person <laughs> who has been standing up for the very for for the culture for the last fifteen to twenty years. Yeah, that didn't make sense. I actually. Uh... I went on a crazy fan and I don't usually jump into social media rants, but I just had to because people were dragging him through the mud. And I was like the very same people, you know, who are like dogging him out. And clearly, especially after it came out that he had like mental health issues. Mm -hmm. I'm like, if something happens to him, if God forbid he commits suicide or just something happens to him. Right. Those same people will be crying saying, Oh my gosh, he was such an incredible artist and you know like i hate when people drag artists while they're alive and then praise them when they're gone um yeah. and so you know kanye is definitely one of those artists where 
love him or hate him, you know, he has his opinions. We can disagree to disagree on a lot of things, but um, he's his impact on culture. It's like you can't you can't take that away from him for no. sure. <laughs> that's that's it, it. It upsets me because they call it cancel culture. Right? Yeah, I hate cancel culture. It's but so you, stupid. How do you cancel culture when the person you're trying to cancel is culture? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And then it, it just makes, it, it, it just makes, makes no sense. sense. It makes, makes no sense. sense. Okay. But, I'll, yeah. I'll leave it alone. I'll leave it alone. Now, <laughs> let, now I know I know you're I know you are in the industry, so you may not be able to answer this. Uh-huh. How did you feel about the last Nas album? Uh, I wasn't a fan of the Nas album, and this is okay. why. I just okay. felt it was rushed, and okay. I think it just got caught up in you know when they were trying to drop like I think it was like seven albums with seven songs. I just feel like it just got rushed in that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was a lot of potential. Like he had the uh, uh, cops shot the kid, like that mm-hmm. uh, slick Rick sample. I thought was dope. Um, but I just think it was rushed. That's all. I think if they would have had more time with it, it would have been a dope album. I'll be honest with you. It, 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 maybe I'm alone on this. Uh huh. I still listen to the Nas album all the time. Like to me, mm-hmm. that's one of his better albums. I know people don't. Mm-hmm. I don't. I, I guess I just missed the memo. <laughs> I love the album. It is. I it's thought, a solid album. It's just not my favorite Nas album. But okay. I mean, so you know, the next question is: What's the favorite one? What's the favorite? I one? I mean, you. I gotta say, Illmatic. I like it's just okay. that's to to me Illmatic is the perfect rap album because his to me Nas has the perfect rap voice like it's just like the weight his voice carries like the tone the texture um and he just like when I first heard that album that's the album I still listen to pretty regularly mm-hmm. um whenever I listen to it, I just feel like I need to have on, like, a bubble coat and some Timberlands <laughs> and a skull cap and be on the block in New York. Like, that's, it just every, yeah. every time. And, um, you know, going back to live performances, I've seen him perform that album. He came here to the Fillmore in Detroit and performed it for, uh, I think it's oh. like the 25th year anniversary. And he performed it front to back in order. And just mm. to see that live was just like, incredible that's dope yeah i think my favorite i know you didn't ask but i think my favorite Nas <laughs> album. Ask. it's all right it's all right um i i, I don't ill mad at school mm-hmm. but i think um i think i am is my favorite mm. Nas album because i i think it if i if i'm meeting i don't know a 14 year old 15 year old 16 year old who's just getting into hip-hop yeah and i wanted them to hear music where I don't feel like it will sound dated. Mm, okay. Because to me, when, when, whenever an album starts sounding a little dated, it's like, you know, if I if I play it, you know, like like an NWA album, a lot of them <laughs> sound very dated. I mean, they're cool. Yeah. They, but they know. Ice Cube knows it, it, it sounds dated. For sure. Um, but if, if I play I Am, I feel like it's right at that cut. I feel like in 96, 97, there's a, uh-huh. a cut there. Where uh, all eyes on me, Machiavelli, yep. uh, I am all the DMX albums, Jay Z's uh, album, where they don't sound dated yet, still sounds like wow, that just came out yesterday. Yep, that was a part. That was an incredible era. Like I just uh, me and my husband, we just went on a road trip, and we listened to like DMX, early Jay Z, 
we even threw in some Ja Rule to be honest. But it was like the <laughs> early like we did uh some Master P. But yeah. like that era, like ninety six, ninety seven, yeah, up to like ninety eight, close to ninety nine. Yeah. Some incredible albums dropped like I was like, this was crazy that all of this came out at the same time. I think I know your answer to this already, but it is a debate that a lot of people are having. Uh-huh. A lot of people want to know who ran hip-hop in 98. Here's why they ask. Oh, my gosh. They say DMX dropped two albums that year. He dropped his, um, his Hell and... It's his dark and his Hell is Hot. And then he dropped uh, Flesh of My Flesh, Blood of My Blood. Mm, and then, of yeah. course, Jay-Z dropped... Uh, I forget which volume it was. I think it was volume... Volume 2. Okay, so people want to know who ran 98. And so I'm going to ask it to you. You might know better than me. Oh, my gosh. Uh, You know what? I'm going to give it to DMX. DMX, like, I just watched, um, shout out to Tidal, because they put the Hard Knock Life Tour. Yeah, I saw that. On there. And, like, you know, DMX and Jay-Z co-headlined that tour. Mm Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, if DMX would have stayed clean, he could have been easily on Easy. the same level as Jay Z. So I, I give it to DMX on that one because I we just I just listened to DMX on a road trip, and I was like, man, I had to kind of pinch myself. I, I forgot about what what he did in a short amount of time. In that one year, he he came, he swooped in, he took over the game, and then. You know, a year or two later, things got a little weird. Yeah. But for a couple of years there, you couldn't tell me DMX wasn't the best in the game. Oh Especially with, you know, the passing of, of Tupac and Biggie, rest in peace, there yeah. was a void. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and he filled it. Uh, easily. Right. E- easily. Easily. Um, And then I would say, even to me, like, people on probably hate on this but i think honestly dmx was a more dynamic artist than both of them both mm. and Biggie. i would say that like just his energy like yeah, his true. voice his delivery his relatability like it's like you like dmx is the truth <laughs> i'm glad to see him coming back though yeah i see him I, I see him sprinkling his way in i've seen him do a movie he actually I think he played the father on the movie with uh, Kiki Palmer uh, <laughs> called Pimp. Nice. Uh, produced, produced and directed by Lee Daniels. And okay. it was on Showtime. Uh, yeah, he, he plays a father on there. So he's sprinkling his way back into the culture. So I've, I've been paying attention. That's what's up. I'm happy to hear that. Definitely. So uh, before we go, is there uh, any further uh, information you want to share with our listening audience? Any questions you may have for me? Uh, the floor is yours. All right. So, um, first of all, thank you for this great interview. This is probably one of my favorite interviews ever. Oh, you're welcome. You're um, welcome. I would say, uh, first, real quick, let me shout out my website. So, neekloveroads.com um, is where you can find me. Um, all merch, shows, calendar, where I'm going to be next, um, and what I'm up to. Uh, and my last question for you oh, would boy. be top five female MCs. Wow. You know, I I have a um, um, what's the word people use? 
I don't I can't remember the word. I love women women who who rap. Yeah. Like honestly, I would choose a woman who raps over a man who raps unless unless the person we're talking about is Tupac. Mm, okay. To be honest with you. To me, the top best five. top five is Lauren Hill. Lauren Hill mm-hmm. is the best uh woman rapper I've ever heard. Okay. Absolutely. Just me personally. Mm, okay. Uh so Lauren Hill is number one. Um Ooh, well, hold on. Let me see. <laughs> Raw Digger is in this. I don't know where she's at yet. Let me put her down. I don't know okay. where she where she's at. I love Raw Digger. Um, okay. I'm not much of an MC Light guy. Oh, Missy, Missy Elliott is in there. Uh, I'm gonna put Rhapsody in there. I know she's uh-huh. more on the newer side. Uh, I'm gonna put Rhapsody there. Um. I'm not a Jean Grey guy. Okay. Not not because she's not great, just because I just never gravitated to her. Okay. I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna I'm gonna put somebody in. It's really early, but man, she can rap her tail off, but she sings more than she raps. I'm putting Tink in my top five. Now I yes. know it's early. Okay. I know it's early. But Tink is she's the girl is bad. And so yeah. I got Lauren Hill one. I'm putting I'm gonna mm-hmm. move Missy Elliott up to number two. Okay. I'm moving Raw Digger down to number three. Okay. Rhapsody number four and Tink number five. So Ooh, those are my five. That's and a good five. Here's why I'm saying this is I have to say this for the people that are listening. Little Kim and Foxy Brown don't make my list because they didn't write. Mm, facts. I just, I just had to say that out loud so everybody could hear. <laughs> they didn't write nothing. Biggie was writing all Little Kim stuff, and I just I, it's unacceptable for me. Yeah, and Jay did a lot of Foxy stuff. Exactly. So. That's all I'm saying. I'm just being real. Allegedly, I'm just alleged. All alleged. All alleged. All alleged. <laughs> I'm sorry. All alleged. But yeah, I can't do it. Uh, yeah, that's a good. That's a solid five. Who am I missing? Who 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 would you uh, add to your, your five? Um, for sure, Lauren and Missy. Okay. One and two. I would actually flip flop Missy though and Lauren. I would put Missy at number one just because she had more of a catalog. That's true. Um, Lauren Hill for sure number two. Um, I'm gonna put uh, I'm gonna put the brat. I think the oh, brat. Oh, I forgot about the brat. The oh, brat. I think her just her flow and even like her music, like the Funkify album. Yeah, yeah. Even yeah. her later hits in like the early two thousands were fire. Um, definitely gonna put Rhapsody. I'm a huge Rhapsody fan. And then I'll round it out. I'm gonna put Queen Latifah just because of impact. I feel like I she's had the most impact, and she was the the first woman in hip-hop to win a Grammy. And that's like, you've set the bar, you know, and just how she's been able to expand her brand. So she'll round out my five. And she was I, dope. I think with the Queen Latifah thing, it, the real thing with her, I mean, of course, anybody can have whatever they want on their top five, but the impact she's had on entertainment overall Yes. It's just, I mean, you can study her, you know, all the things that she's executive producing. Uh, you know, she's executive producer, I believe, on the rap game, you know, the mm-hmm. show that comes on, uh, TLC with uh, Jermaine Dupri. I mean, yep. there's, there's things that she's doing where you may not see her, 
but she's making moves all throughout the game, and you just have to open your eyes and see her on the, the closing credits. Absolutely. And even her early influence, like, you know, she, uh, if I remember correctly, she introduced Tretch and Naughty by Nature to the music yeah, world. Yeah, I remember that story. They can, yeah. So, it's yeah, she's, to me, just had an incredible impact. Because I think Tretch was even in uh, a small part in, in Juice. Yep. Um, and, of course, Queen Latifah was, was in there, too. So it all connects. And I, I, I think, um, you know, that's a beautiful thing about this game. I, I think I fell in love with hip-hop, I don't know, 12 years old, uh-huh. um, listening to Bone Thugs and Harmony on the Batman Forever soundtrack. Classic. And ever since then, I've just been studying the game, and I'm just like, wow. Look at all these business opportunities. I've always looked at it as business. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, I love Queen Latifah. And now that you say it, the brat has to be in my top five. Tink got to go. She got, you know, <laughs> it's, sorry, it's, too, it's too new for her. <laughs> but, yeah, the brat's definitely in the top five. I apologize to brat. All right. That's that's my only question, man. That was, okay, that, was cool. a, that was a good list. That was fun. Cool. Cool. Well, here's what I will say. Send us your information um, for any events you have going on we definitely want to post it for sure keep everybody uh updated on it and whenever you have an ep and any other projects you have hit us up we want to have you back on the show so we can keep track of your journey absolutely i appreciate it and again thank you for the wonderful interview it was so great chopping it up with you and um keep doing what you're doing too like is these conversations about black equity and business and culture and how they all intersect inside together is important so I'll definitely keep tuning in for sure. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for coming on. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right. Peace. All right. Peace.